Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another very interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is don't get fooled by first impressions when hiring. We're also going to be chatting with Christina. We're going to be talking about technology or developing technology to use in your business. But right now we're going to have a chat with Tabitha Katu, who's from Sincere Us Mindset Coaching. We're going to talk about collaboration in your business. Good afternoon, Tabitha. Hi, Julian. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. So uh, what is collaboration? It's a term often thrown around, but what is it really? Yeah, you're right. It is a term that's thrown around. Um, Essentially, collaboration, it comes from the Latin word collaborare, which, which means work together. But collaboration is the action of working with another or others to actually produce something. So like the retreat was the result of a collaboration between local business owners. So that's the difference with collaboration. It produces something. So what would be the difference then between collaboration and cooperation? Yeah, so um, we cooperate with people every day. You know, we cooperate with other road users so we can get to work. We cooperate with people in the, you know, the line-up at the coffee shop to get our coffee. The cooperation is, in that respect, quite independent in the goal that it's seeking. Um, it does involve usually short, like drawing sorry, from a, a shared resource pool, um, but it is much more individualised in that the goal is to get to work or get a coffee. So if you think of kids like drawing from a, a large box of Lego pieces, when they're cooperating, they're sharing the pieces, but they've got their own project that is independent of the other child's project. They might exchange pieces to help each other, but they have their own projects running. Collaboration, however, is working with another to produce something together. So it's more interdependent, and it requires a level of um, vulnerability even to share and question and critique. So imagine those kids, Julian, if they um, were then told they had to build a castle together. Yeah. And so the dynamic changes and they have to rely upon each other. They have to share ideas. They have to work out who's doing what. So that added independency is quite evident. Um, And in the workplace, you know, cooperation takes place in the form of like daily operational interactions, you know, how we behave in meetings, handle requests, et cetera. Mm. Whereas collaboration is more about when we work together to produce something like reducing the lead time on on a product for a customer. So what are the key elements of your collaboration model? So my collaboration model has has two parts. The first part is there are five kind of structural elements, goals, skills, motivators, contribution, clarity, and character and values. And then there's a second part, which is kind of like the nervous system of the whole model. Um, So the structural elements, those common and shared goals, they are like what we're trying to achieve. And the important part about that is ensuring that everyone kind of understands and, and also are committed to those goals. Because without this, you're likely going to see some level of dysfunction. There'll be variable commitment if people don't really understand the goals and buy into them, and even a little resentment and frustration. And then with the requisite skills, these are the skills like, that are going to actually be required for this collaboration. Like, what are they? And finding out what they are. Not only that, but agreeing within the group if you have them or not, and if you don't, agreeing that you need to outsource them and get them. And if you, sorry, you go on, yeah. So without that, you might risk some some level of like reputational damage because if you don't know 
all the skills that are required and you don't have what's required to do it, you potentially won't do a very good job. Um, and there'll be a level of disengagement and frustration within the team. So uh, we often talk about trust on this program. What is the difference between trust and psychological safety? Yeah, so um, in terms of trust and psychological safety, which is that nervous system element of the model, um, psychological safety really relates to like the beliefs that you have about the group norms. So, you know, what do I believe it means to be a member of this group? And trust is more about what do I believe about another person? So, you know, I might trust that Julian won't be concerned if I question his ideas. That's really a belief about my ability to trust Julian. Whereas if I want to question an idea in this group, I'd better have some solid data or analytics ready. That's more a belief about what I believe it needs to, what I believe about the group norm, how I need to behave in that group. So the difference between trust and psychological safety is one is really about the group norm and the other is really about the individual. So, so how would I go about collaborating with someone or a business that I don't like? <laughs> so it's a great question. Um, and some might say, you know, why would you want to? But if the motivation for you about being involved um, in a collaboration is so great, like it's intrinsically important for you to, to go after that goal, then you need to consider this question quite deeply. Um, People often say, I want to get involved in that project, but I don't really want to work with that person. Mm. And for me, I, I'm like, people are not their behaviours. You know, everyone is generally doing the best they can with the resources and knowledge that they've got available. So I would ask specifically, what specifically about the person is it that you don't like? And then I would also ask, what do you believe would happen if you work together? How do you know this? And what evidence do you have of this? So just diving into that because... People, you know, we work with people we don't like all the time. Um, and when we only have to cooperate, that's fine. But when you have to collaborate, there's a real need for that psychological safety. So if you are thinking, oh, maybe that person, you know, is going to slacken off um, and not contribute, then you need to reconcile with that and you need to raise it with them. And if you feel you can't do that for fear of some sort of retribution, there's likely an issue with psychological safety within the group and you probably need to reconcile with that. And, of course, sometimes you do have to collaborate with someone or a business that you don't like even because, just because you've got to. That's right. And so you need to understand what it is about that that you don't want to do. But also remember, trust is not – it's not this um, position on liking somebody. You know, I, I trust that, you know, my son, when he says, I'll take the garbage out in the morning, Mum, I trust that he won't do that. There's <laughs> mm. um, an attribute about him that I don't like but I trust it because it's consistent because I have evidence that proves that it's consistent. So mm. trust is really about consistency, not about liking someone. So what is it you trust about the person is going to happen, that person that you don't like? So how do I go about uncovering someone or even my own true motivations about being involved in a collaboration? Yeah, well, the most simple um, answer to that is to ask them. Um, so I'd ask questions like, you know, what's important to you about being in this collaboration or this project? Um, and what will being a part of this collaboration or project allow you to do? Having someone answer those questions will uncover those true motivators, um, and even having up front some sort of questions around those, those areas to allow people to enter the group or not, so just not allowing anyone to enter that collaboration. Mm. 
Mm, great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Tabitha. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Excellent. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Tabitha Cato there with collaboration and the importance of collaboration. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm recovering from all that wet weather now. Uh, we are indeed, <laughs> goodness. Yeah. My garden flooded. <laughs> yeah, there's so many flooded areas. My heart just goes out to you know yeah, people that have yeah. been through the so house, much. the house floating mm. down the river. Yeah. Yep. So uh, technology. We're going to talk about technology. Uh, uh, coming up technology to use in your business. Yeah, so my advice to every single business is to stay up to date with what is happening with technology and that way you won't feel overwhelmed when it A, all comes out um, and B, when the, the, the task of understanding it is increased because it all of a sudden is a brand new thing um, when we're not following its development. So I have to say that um, we just ran the Singularity U Australia Summit. It was online, and that in itself was an amazing use of technology. And let mm. me say, I love tech when it works, and when it doesn't work, well... well when, um, when it doesn't work, you've got to have a good consultant or a, a yes. IT person that can fix it for you. Exactly. And you know what worked most of the time, Julian, was the off-on button. But anyway, that's, <laughs> a, that's a story for another day. Um, some of the technologies that exist already that, that we don't really know about... Uh, and some of them that are coming out. So, for example, we had the world premiere of, or world preview. It's not even a premiere yet um, because they're only in, in alpha testing. Uh, but we we had a, a demonstration of Microsoft Mesh. Mm-hmm. And what Microsoft Mesh is, is it kind of brings Jarvis and Ready Player One and every other sci-fi movie you've ever seen where they've pulled out a screen or pulled out a, a something uh, and worked on it jointly from several different areas around the world um, into one screen, that's what this is going to do. So with nothing more invasive than than a light set of glasses, which is where the headset will eventually go, you'll be able to work in a room with colleagues from around the world on a joint project. So I actually had these glasses on and I was picking up a flower and placing it in a vase in virtual reality in real time. Uh, but where this comes into its own, for example, is we saw an example of um, of a physiotherapist who was located in one area, um, appeared as a hologram, and working with a patient who had a haptic glove suit on uh, and was doing their physio exercises under the guidance of the physiotherapist in a virtual reality space. We saw people working on... Um, on a design, collaboratively sharing the design around, working on this same design from several different places. So the opportunity for collaboration um, is absolutely um, multiplied by by the factor of, you know, of 10 plus, uh, which is quite amazing because in some instances, there are people that are perfectly matched to work with you in your business on an idea and they're in a completely different location. Mm. For medicine, what it does is, particularly with yeah. the treatment, opens that up to you know to multiple users. And when you think that things like that are happening at the same time as Elon Musk is launching thirty thousand satellites, so that we have continuous internet that's going to be faster than five G, um, all these things are happening at the same time in parallel. And if we're not keeping up with it, going back to my original statement, as a small business 
or a medium-sized business, we are going to be completely overwhelmed at the end mm. of the day and mm. not know where to start. Yeah. So it, it's like that baby step into the potential that it offers you um, is a really good thing to be doing. Which is important to keep updating your technology anyway, whether it be your phones, whether it be your computers, mm. whether it be your iPads, because they do move on. And you know, if yeah. you're still using a computer that's even five years old now, it's probably too slow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's funny that you should say that because I recently had one updated because it was, every time I hit a key, it was taking about 30 seconds to register. It had so much information on it. Um, but, but you know, it, it is that constant make sure that you're either reading, make sure that somebody in your organisation is a bit of a tech geek um, and they're bringing you information about what the latest is. There are so many simple processes that, that out there that can make, that can save you hours and they're really easy to implement. You know, once once you've used it a couple of times, the usage becomes much more um, accessible for the whole team. And once the team's in a routine of using it, they become really good tools of communication, you know. And we've we've spoken about what a, a number of those are. But in this instance, I'm actually talking about some of the larger techs that are coming out and the, the revolutions that are coming in medical technology, in um, in education, in financial tech, in data. So we you know, I actually saw um, a breakdown of data that measured young people, old people, um, according to wealth across a whole scale and how you would use that data to see either at a social impact level who you wanted to help or at a financial level who could afford the product mm. that you were trying to sell and we maybe you should. And this was done at a global level. So there's so much data out there also that, that is available to us that we're not actually accessing. And it's good to hear that uh, we, we could have the uh, internet speeds increase because um, obviously that's one of the barriers for business yeah. here in, New- in well, not Newcastle, but in Australia. There are yep. still a lot of small businesses that, that still only have dial-up and other things. So, yeah. so, and uh, MBN is not the best reliable. So, you no. know, um, and, and, you know, it's the, the accessibility and what it means, even, mm. even for health. You know, what it, for me, the, the primary aim of, of doing all of this is to better the lives of as many people, many mm. as many Australians as we can, and to, you know, to be able to make an impact health-wise and education-wise inland where mm. we don't have the coverage and we don't have the resources and it takes too long to get to a medical specialist. You know, what the opportunities that it opens up for populating the inland of Australia, yeah. you know, not the desert, clearly, yeah. but... Well, well, I'm sure there's a technology that can that can assist with that eventually anyway. But, you know, just uh, it does open up possibility. If we think about the opportunities that tech opens up as opposed to fearing the all the lifestyle changes that we fear that it's going to make, because I'm, uh, you know, the other thing that was quite remarkable, the message was it's the human heart that's at the centre of everything. Mm. Human heart, human capacity, let's make a change because it's for the benefit of everybody. Now, clearly we're in a room of like-minded people, and when I say room, I'm talking about a big virtual, you yeah, know, virtual, virtual room. But if you surround yourself with those like-minded people, then you realise the benefits as opposed to listening to the fearful. And I'm not saying ignore the the dangers, but this is again we've spoken about this many times before. This is where the ethical debates and the conversations are crucial. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time. That's a good good subject to talk about, and we'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Christina there with some of that tech and it is it is very important to keep up to date with what's going on. How can you use it in your business? Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, don't get fooled by a first impression when hiring. 
Disastrous hires can happen when managers uh, get fooled by first impressions. But how can you get beyond the superficial during a brief interview? The key is to focus on behaviours rather than traits. For example, if the interviewee describes him or herself as a team player, do they credit other people where, when discussing their work? Look beyond what the candidate is saying and focus on how they are actually saying it. Watch for non-verbal cues that signal contempt, superiority and disrespect. Eye contact when uh, questioning. Ask them to describe their least preferable co-worker. Listen for whether they reduce the person to a one-word label or reveal more complex view of the situation. So this is often a problem, isn't it, when we have a very short interview and we hire the wrong person. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, the importance of... Uh, uh, collaboration in your business and some of that tech that can help us. In a moment, Sarah Farley Adams will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit the world of tax with chartered accountant Tony Vidray. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Zig Ziglar once said, people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. <laughs>